get ready to rock out with your talk out. It's the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Hey, Jens Pittsburgh Wackadoodles and everybody else in the world. My name is Lou Daney. Yes. It's a Lou Daney Rock and Roll Circuit yes. coming at you live and in person. Oh, my. All the way from sunny Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Also known as the politically incorrect gun town. It's also the fireworks capital of the world, because listen, I don't care what time of the year it is, you're going to hear some fireworks, and you're going to see some fireworks up in the sky, and you're going to say, I'm in Cannonsburg. There you go. All right, everybody. It is the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. We're having a good time already. Already. And that's usually a good sign, right? Yes, when the, yes, We haven't yes. really even started yet. Yes. But Mr. Pertzberg, Mr. Mr. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Hi, Mr. Pittsburgh. Mr. Pittsburgh. Mr. call Mr. P. Actually, we're having really nice weather. It's like the super it's hot stuff kind of mellowed out. Off, we're having beautiful Thank days, you know. God. So Ooh. it's gonna be a good day to sit outside, get, get, get wasted shit face. Shit face. That's right. Uh, shit face. Isn't that an interesting uh, expression? Gross. Let's think Just about like that. like shit on your face. I don't think I want to. But but yet we say, man, I'm getting so shit faced, man. Wow, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't literally mean. From? It must mean that like your face is for shit. Do you, you know? Well, you ever do that? Like where you get so wasted, your um. Like your face gets numb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now yeah. maybe it's talking about. Maybe that's maybe, maybe that's what it's right? I'm not putting. I think shit maybe on my I'm face. I'm thinking too hard and reading too much into it. You know, maybe. But, but that's if you, that's if you just step me. back and look at the the saying. It's very weird saying. Shit faced. Oh God. Gross. And uh, we haven't really even started the podcast yet. So no. let's start the podcast. Let's Ludini Rock and Roll right Circus. Ludini Rock and Roll Circus coming at you in your face. Not shit face. Well, we might be shit face. You never know what's going to happen. But uh, go to Ludini Rock and Roll Circus dot com. We have a dot com. Uh, so a couple of bands I have on new and notable today. Um, one of them has a dot com. The other one does not. They're very good bands. Huh. But I'm like, why don't you have a dot com? Have a dot com. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it would just be. But anyways, yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say. Yes. Have a dot com. That's all you're saying. Have a dot com. Have a dot com. Have a dot com and a smile. Exactly. Uh, Ludini Rock and Roll Circus dot com is where you go to find out all Ludini, all things Ludini, mm-hmm. where you get all of your Ludini needs met, include, including your need for Ludini merchandise and your need for uh, spe- getting to know Ludini up close and personal and everything you ever wanted to do, be or have relating to Ludini is at Ludini Rock and Roll Circus dot com. You must go there. If you are listening on whatever platform, please hit the like little button and hit the little sideways triangle to share this share this with all your friends yes. and family especially the ones that you're trying to uh, get rid of oh absolutely this will absolutely sure. do it. once you listen to this podcast they'll be like you're fucked up and um <laughs> we can't hang out with you no more exactly. so if you're looking to break up yes. with somebody or get somebody out of your life hey or, baby listen to this yeah exactly guaranteed guaranteed there you go. i just put it on like it uh, when whatever the next family uh function is mm-hmm. labor day is mm-hmm. coming up i think we've missed all the things but you know you could save up until Thanksgiving. This sure. makes great uh, a background for, yes. thanks, for, for yes. Thanksgiving. Yes. So, 
I would encourage you. I would just encourage you. Hey, pass the mashed potato. Wait a minute. Did he just say shit face? Exactly. There so play this. Go. Yeah, so you can go find out all the places yeah. to find this podcast at LudiniRockandRollCircus.com. And cl- speaking of places to find the podcast, Rock Rage Radio. Rock Rage yeah. Radio is where you want to go to get that damn app. RockRageRadio.com. Awesome app. I wish I'd have thought of it. I did not think of it, but it is very cool, and we are part of it. We are on there. Uh, we, we I believe, come on after church oh, on Sundays. That's nice. Yes, exactly. How convenient. Exactly. I know. I know. It works out great. It yeah. works out so good. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I think so. And how much... What? Lou. Lou. Yes, sir. Lou. How much does this app, this Rock Rage It's pretty radio, expensive. I don't think anybody yeah. listening is going oh, to afford it's it. It's a shame. It's pretty expensive, but yeah. if you are interested, it's free. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. So, and <laughs> Wolf's Customs, of course, custom Wolfie. artwork done on your musical instrument. Check them out at wolfscustoms.online and find them on social media, Instagram yes. and Facebook. Yes. Uh, okay, so this week, um, I have a big announcement. Oh, I have a giant bunch, a giant bunch of shit written down. Giant? Don't put it on my face. But there will be no shit on your face. But Mr. Pittsburgh, what's up, Mr. Pittsburgh? How are you? How are you? Uh, so I have an, I have to tell you guys something. Uh, please do. So I'm curious. A couple of uh, about six, eight months ago, uh-huh. I decided that I you wanted had sex to... with a girl, and you're going to be a daddy. I am. Congratulations. Uh, I speaking of that. <laughs> oh, I got to tell you this, dude. Oh, I woke up. What morning was it? Was Monday morning from a dream? Uh huh. And that was the exact dream. Really? And I was pregnant with this giant, fat, nasty bitch. Oh. I'm fat shaming. I'm sorry to an imaginary yes. woman in my sorry dreams. About that. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I was she had like, a really nice personality, though. I don't even know its personality, but oh I just my. remember we had to go somewhere to get the baby or something, or I was oh going to get. I, I don't know. And I woke up. And you're like, thank God. Well, yeah, I kind of was. Oh my God, thank God. But more than like more than anything else, it was very weird. Yeah, it was very weird. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I'm all not right. going to get into all that, which I already got into. But um, I have a big announcement, and you're quit, quit, quit distracting me. Sorry about with that. With these fat bitches getting pregnant by me, baby. Um, so listen to this. All right. So about six months or so ago, something like that. I uh, I have this great uh, Paul Reed Smith that I got. In the 90s. It's a 1987. It's the second year they made them. Um, it's a collectible guitar. Mm-hmm. I, When I got it, though, I did not like the bridge pickup. I wanted mm-hmm. a big, loud, nasty, in-your-face, something to really drive the amp really hard. Now, you're talking in the 1990s. I, was, I did not have the gear and everything that I have now. My gear was uh, relatively limited, so I was trying to find a sound, and so I decided to change the bridge pickup. Okay in this guitar and how I picked what bridge pickup I wa- wanted was the store where I was given lessons and the guy who had sold me the guitar I went I played all the guitars in the store looking uh-huh. for the bridge pickup and he said I'll order you any of them okay you just tell me which pickup you like and sure. I'll get you one sure. I don't, it, that's irrelevant and it was a pickup in an Ibanez guitar mm. uh, the pickup is a, was made by DiMarzio yep. and uh, so I, I said this is the one so Frank ordered it for me and JT installed it for me and that's pickup has been the bridge pickup in that guitar since I don't know the mid 90s and um you know, as I as my tastes have changed, I've gotten a lot older, and my interest in music and everything's become way more sophisticated. And I like a lot of different things. Um, I've just dis- I've grown to dislike the sound of that pickup. 
Okay. Um, also, because uh, it was not the wiring is not compatible with the other pickup and the guitar. Uh huh. Um, some of the sounds are no longer humbucking. What is very cool oh, about PRS okay. is on most of their guitars. I want. I would say all, but I I never say all. Right. 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 So I'm going to say, from to the best of my knowledge, most of their guitars, even on the like coil tap sounds, they're still humbucking. Like mm-hmm. there's no noise. Mm-hmm. This guitar does have makes does make a very cool strat sound though. It does. Okay. I will say, I'm like, yeah. damn, this is cool. I can get that that exact like, um, uh, you know, the intro to uh, free ride. Yeah, yeah. I can get that, but not on this guitar. Yeah. But on that guitar, I can get that exact tone. I'm like, damn, it's not just like. But anyway, so other, but other than doing that, so. Um, I was like, I'm going to put it back to original. I was just going to sure. break down. I'm just going to put it back to original. Uh-huh. And I had kept the pickup. In, it came with a hard showcase. I kept the pickup, the old pickup in that case. I was a young, impetuous. I was a impetuous young man, but I was not stupid. And I right, know right. I knew to keep, keep that pickup. Keep the original equipment. Yes. I knew that. Yes. I knew that. Motherfucker, if that pickup had vanished. Oh. It was not in that case, and it had been in that case. And I remember oh, no. taking opening the guitar up, opening that case up, and looking at that pickup for years. Yeah, like years. It was always anytime I opened the little, the little, you know, the little, the little door in the, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah, yeah. where they keep the strap. But that pickup was always sitting there. And um, so uh, one day, I of course when I went to get it, it wasn't there. I was like you got to be kidding. Oh, no. So I tore the studio apart, tore the house apart. I looked high and low for it. I found the original pickups from my custom shop. Les Paul. Yeah. <clears throat> Those are exactly, they're in a little box that says uh-huh. Gibson and the whole thing. Sure. And I'm like, where is this Where's goddamn and, and I And I searched high and low. I looked in every drawer, everywhere. Um, as Mr. Pittsburgh noticed when he came in today, the studio has been it's, it's um, rearranged, rearranged um, because I realized it didn't make, <laughs> as you notice, you have a lot more room now. I see. And there's not yeah, a bunch of yeah. cords you have to step oh, on. I them. realized yeah. that it, where how I had the amps and everything, it just made zero sense. Yes. Um, and I had been, a, and about two years ago, I bought this um, t- uh, t- uh, Two Notes Torpedo Live that mm-hmm. I never rack mounted. I'm like, well, if I rack mount it, then I'll put the amps all over by the same side where the rack is. There'll be no cords to trip over. Yeah. Just all work out better. I have better access to everything. Beautiful. <clears throat> so <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, well, I need rack screws. And many, many years ago, yes. when I got, got, got started getting the studio set up, I bought a giant, like, honking bag of rack screws. Sure. Huge. And I will, like, that I will never <laughs> use yeah. all of yeah. them. Yeah. You know? And um, I was like, I knew where that bag was. Uh huh. So I opened up the door to grab that bag. And you know, I picked up. I picked up this bag instead. And what's in this bag, Mister? Oh my God! It's a PRS pickup. It's a PRS pickup. Holy free holy! And I looked in that drawer. I know that I did. That's I looked in all weird. those drawers, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" I practically cried. Oh my God! That's I was very great. excited. So this is fantastic. awesome. I do have my. Yeah. That is fantastic. Now you can put it back to original. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna have That's somebody fantastic. do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have somebody put that back to nice. original. And see if I like it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds yeah. like shit. But I, I just want to back to it. Anyway, so uh, so that was the big news. Oh, that's awesome. Because so, we, we talked about that before in the past. So yep. that's fantastic. Oh, It's the most exciting sound I could find in, yeah. in a moment. Short, short notice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Now I'm very... I'm very excited. happy for you. Me, me three. Um, <clears throat> I saw a dancing queen this week. I got oh, a, they still out there? I got a text from my old uh, bandmate, uh-huh. uh, Katie Simone. Yes. She's like, I'm playing it. Uh, 
Gun Town. Oh, right down the street here. On Friday, and Fantastic. you want to come? And I said, oh, oh, sure. So right. I went down and saw them. Uh, she sounded great. Oh, uh, what's course. interesting, like on a lot of that stuff, you know, like the Patti LaBelle stuff, a lot of singers tend to oversing it uh-huh. to where like the voice, they, well, they, what they end up doing is they end up knocking themselves off pitch. Right. And right. and it sounds real harsh and kind of strident and stuff. She nailed all this. She sounded really good when she sang like, you know, uh, Ule Bukushe and all that. You no, know what I mean? It's Katie... Raining Men. And, you know, she nailed all this. She sounded really good. Is Katie singing with Dancing Queen or did she open for them? No, no. She was she was singing with Dancing Queen. Oh, that's fantastic. Man, I haven't seen them in a long that time. That is not her gig, though. She was filling yeah. in. Okay. She was, okay. She I was, was going to say, in. but yeah, I love Dancing Queen. So, noise. <clears throat> yeah, it was fun. Um, noise. There is some uh, flap with uh, the band Foreigner mm. and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh. Well, Foreigner's like, are we ever going to get inducted? And they were like, <laughs> you remember that time Mick and your manager came and like tried to bully us? Oh. Remember we, we told you like, you're never going to get inducted. Piss well, off. you're still never going to get inducted. Like ah. you can keep asking, but you're never getting inducted. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, vocalist, his name just went out of my head. Thank you. A uh, foreigner, Lou Graham. No, no, no. Lou Graham hasn't been in the band in twenty, oh, that's in the 20 years. I remember. Uh, K- uh, Casey, in the Casey Jones, oh. uh, Kenny Chesney, <laughs> uh, who is not the lead singer of Foreigner, but he's the lead singer of Foreigner at the. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't do this. I had it right in front of me. You have to look it up. Oh, my gosh. Lead wow. singer of Foreigner. The lead singer of Foreigner is Casey Jones. It's Casey Jones. Kelly Hansen. Oh, close. Very yeah. close. They had some some of the same sounds. Yeah, sure, sure, There's sure. A, a long, short A sound. Sure. Uh, anyways, Kelly Hansen was in her saying that, you know, and Jeff Pilson, who's, who was a bassist mm-hmm. in Dawkins, is now playing bass with them. He's like, you know, it's basically, you know, he he looks at it as like the critics always hated Foreigner, et cetera. Here's the question, though. Like, who would accept the award? Um, right. The only consistent member in the band was Mick Jones, um, Lou Graham for a long time. Right. But even in the very beginning, they were a band that had like some revolving uh, doors. Uh-huh. Um, but the Rock Hall is a joke. Yeah, basically. Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott. <laughs> Missy Elliott. Enough Two said. words, Missy Elliott. Enough said. Enough said. Yeah. Right. All right. And, and 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 it's the the what's wrong with the Rock Hall? I think is what's wrong with Disney mm-hmm. and what's wrong with all this stuff is like we're taking instead of like doing something the way it's supposed to be done, we're we're putting uh, you know this warped. And I, I look, man, I, I love all folk, black, yellow, mm-hmm. brown. Mm-hmm. You know, Green, you know, if you Martians. love, you know, I heard Ralphie May. Talking, you know, Ralphie May. Is, I know who he is. Yeah, comedian. talking about pride, like a like a gay pride, and he's like, you know, and like, why are y'all proud? Because you suck dick, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like, but but I have no issue. I don't care what you do. I don't really no, fucking who care. Cares? But um, like, let's. But that this shouldn't. That doesn't mean that like you get to spread your semen, like wow. everywhere. You Everyone, know what I mean? Wow. You're metaphorical semen. Yeah, you sure, know what I mean. Sure, like, sure. no, yeah. you stay in your lane. You do. You have to do you whatever do you, you do. I you do. do. If you, if you're a hip hopper, you're a hip hopper. You're not. Yeah. You don't play rock. No, that's cool, man. Hip hop is awesome, man. Hip hop is a yes. wildly influential genre of music. It's very cool. Not rock. No. Don't belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, I, that's, yeah. uh, uh, Dolly Parton. I'm I'm a huge Dolly Parton yes. fan. Does not belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No. 
Wrongo Mongo. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, instead of, you know, so we're doing all this stupid bullshit and we've just pooped all over everything. That's okay. Because, um, you know, once things, you know, change around here and they're, they're, they're going to, we'll just build new shit. It'll be fine. Uh-huh. Um, but in any case, so um, I also read two books this week. Okay. I read uh, The Age of Spiritual Machines oh. by uh, Raymond Kurtz- Kurzweil. Yeah, Kurzweil. Right. Yeah, very good. And uh, Insanely Simple by Ken uh, Siegel. Okay. Um, I read Insanely Simple first, so I'll talk about that briefly. Um, Ken Siegel <clears throat> worked, <clears throat> excuse me, worked uh, with, a, with a company called Shiat Day, which became, ult- which became, ultimately became Apple's marketing company. Okay. And he ended up working very close with Steve Jobs. Oh, okay. They became, like, they were calling each other at two o'clock in the morning. Right. You know, stuff. Um, You up? (laughs) It's actually, actually, Steve was never that polite. (laughs) It was, like, never like that, you know. He was very, and so the, and, but what you learn about his, the, 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 one of the the things that, and Ken Siegel expresses this in the book, is that part of the, the main characteristic of Apple is this like absolute um, uh, obsession with keeping things simple. Simple. Now it might seem like not because if you ever call go to the Apple store call help desk (laughs) you may not seem that way but but once he lays it out for you, it makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, for instance, yeah. you know, Steve was kicked out of the company in 85. When he came back 11 years later, one of the things he did was at that point Apple did stuff they said they were never going to do like mm-hmm. other companies were making Apple computers and you right. could buy parts right. and build your own Mac and <clears throat> in fact the first Mac I ever bought that's how I got it oh, yeah? <clears throat> some guy on the some guy on the internet uh, made it for me he was highly skeptical it was a kick ass machine it is around here somewhere and it still fucking works wow I can't use it because it, it's you know because it's outdated, outdated the new yeah, soft, yeah. The operating systems won't work on it <clears throat> but I mean you plug a thing in right now it would work it would run wow anyways um, but um, so when he took it back over he he like got out the giant eraser and mm-hmm. erased all the computers everything you're making so we're making four computers yeah. we're gonna make a laptop for commercial and for home use mm-hmm. and we're gonna make a desktop for home use and for and, and for uh, commercial and that's it that's we're, it we're making four computers yeah. and that's it um, and that was how he ran everything. You know, the the um, iPhone I believe had three buttons on it. Yeah, it was something that was like insanely like, and it was completely different than the crack, not the crackberry. People called it the crackberry. Then the blackberry, the blackberry, the blackberry was the main <laughs> yeah, competitor yeah. at the time. Do you remember the blackberry? <clears throat> People were so that. they had yeah. their blackberries, you know. Yeah. Um, but he eliminated all that shenanigans and made it just just concentrated on make it super easy to use. And um, not only did he, he, but he combined three things on there that, but he did, they didn't really focus out in the markets, marketing. They focused on it as the iPhone Um, and um, everything, of course, that they had has that I in it, which, Mm -hmm. you know, and they talk, he talks about that. I I was asking my question self, he kept talking about I, this, I, that in the book. And finally he answered why everything's called I. <clears throat> and it has to, and I'll just give you real quick, because it has to do with the naming of the first Mac, the iMac, which <laughs> is brilliant as Steve Jobs was. He, this was, this was where he, this was one where like Ken Siegel was like, we were like, Steve, you're off base. You <laughs> he wanted to call it, get this. Oh boy. Mac man. I think maxi pad would have been a good one too. <laughs> Mac man. Mac no, man. No. And, um, 
when Ken suggested iMac, he thought he said that's horrible. Like threw him out of his office and everything. <laughs> then then they had a couple, two weeks to come back with more names, and he came back and he stuck iMac in there in the list, like kind of at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And Steve said, "Well, I don't completely hate it." And then that, like at the next go. meeting, he was just referring into it as iMac. Like okay. he came up with it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, <clears throat> but I, they liked iMac because they felt it sounded like intelligence. It's like the internet at the time was just really taking. Right. Really, right. remember there was a time when the internet was just taking. Just just off. taking off, you know, yeah, like yeah. we take it for granted now, but we're just taking off the new that new that those kids and that internet. Um, <laughs> so and so, you know, and so when they called it the iPhone, internet phone was like, mm-hmm. you know, so made it again a super simple uh, yeah, name, like exactly. boom, you know yep. exactly what it is. Yep. And they did a couple of other things too. It did give you access to your music, um, and it, it and it gave you the internet and uh, was a phone. So it was yep. like there so. But anyways, uh, but he was a uh, Steve Jobs, very interesting person. Uh, Ken acknowledges that he could be very difficult to work with at mm. times, um, but he really, but you could tell that he really loves Steve. <laughs> like yeah. he really is like an apologist for Steve Jobs. But it was very, it was just about this concept that Apple that that they use. It was a very short book about, and he used gave examples of all the ways in which Steve lived by this, and Apple became their like core value mm-hmm. and it was really mm-hmm. interesting about how you could use it in your life or in your business um it was very thought-provoking and i thoroughly enjoyed it cool. um i read and i read the age of spiritual machines by raymond kurzweil okay first of all do you know who raymond kurzweil is the name sounds familiar okay um you should know the last name okay it's a it's a piano that uh, was popularized it was popularized oh. by stevie wonder the kurzweil yes. piano yes it was invented by raymond kurzweil i did not know yes that. um and Kur- raymond kurzweil and his company also de- developed the first practical hearing aids interesting that you know they were actually actually usable yeah and there weren't like a giant machine that you right to, yeah yeah you know, like carrying a boom box oh, that's kind of cool yeah jeez <laughs> um but uh he is a very brilliant man uh one other interesting factoid about mm-hmm. raymond kurzweil is he uh cured himself 100 percent cured himself of type 2 diabetes wow he, he got very serious and studied up on everything about it and figured out the right supplements and the right Uh diet exactly did not deviate from it and it's 100 percent no diabetes fantastic diabetes Diabetes. um he's he's still alive he's 75 years old wow um but the age of spiritual machines is both awe-inspiring and horrifying Mm. at the same time it's uh it was written in 1999 and one of ray's gifts appears to be that he's very good at predicting the future Mm. And all his throughout his whole career, he's been very excited about technology and computers uh-huh. and predicted a lot of things about computers that people said, what are you talking about? And he was absolutely right. He kind of huh. predicted the Internet. Wow. He predicted all kinds of things that were that were going to happen. He didn't say invented the Internet, but it was like, right, you know, he right. had like, you know, in, in any case, yeah. yeah, sort of, you know, <clears throat> but he predicted a lot of things. And it's so interesting to listen to uh, uh, him uh, or read a book from 20 from 1999 and we're in 22 and he does predict things that happens to the first 10 to 20 years or so of the 21st century and some of them he's not off on he predicted that we would be starting to struggle and be kind of like worried about ai about the year 2020 wow and it's a pretty much about the time that it really started like when we have artificial intelligence what are we doing Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and it's been it's been a growing topic ever since um just that's just as as one example um it's uh it's it was thought-provoking it was very interesting very short 
very, 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 very short. But I would recommend him if you were, you know, interested in anything like that. Um, turns out that Jay Leno is a total fucking awesome guy. Yes. I um, <clears throat> saw an interview with him this week. Adam Carolla. Remember Adam Carolla? I love mm-hmm. Adam Carolla. I read one of his books. I might have read a couple of his books, too. He's funny as fuck. Um, yeah. yeah, Jay Leno, yeah. But he was in. He interviewed uh, re, just recently. Interviewed Jay Leno, and um, so the myth had been that Jay was not spending any of the money he was making at the Tonight Show. Correct. That he was only living on his stand-up work, and that's right. exactly he was not. That's he's. I, I still to this day haven't touched any. That's of money. crazy. <clears throat> but this is why Jay is a fucking fucking awesome guy. Um, they they the, his contract was thirty million a year. Yep. And um, the, it was okay, you know, it was good. He was happy and everything. And then, but they ran into a problem. And uh, maybe they just—I don't know exactly what there was a some kind of shortage or whatever. And they realized the budget was, it was, mm-hmm. would no longer allow him to continue to keep all of his staff. They right. said we're gonna have to cut your staff, you know, in half. So he called a meeting. He said, "He says who here would like to keep their job and me take half of my pay." <laughs> so everybody put up their yeah, hand. hands. Went up. Yeah, everybody's yeah. hand went up. He says, "Absolutely." So, um, <clears throat> I mean, he knew he that that, but he was he doing. Could still make, yeah, yeah, he was living on his uh, uh, stand. But what money. I'm saying yeah. is, he knew that like how they yeah, were going to feel about yeah. it. But he says he did that. He went. He's like, okay, so it's still fifteen million dollars a year. Like, it's still fifteen. Yeah, fifteen fucking yeah. million dollars. Yeah. You know, I'm fine. Believe, trust me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going. You know, he's like, I don't. And 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 of course, Corolla, you know, was being as smart as well. How do you do it on such little money? He goes, well, I don't have any girlfriends or cocaine habits. Right, right. <laughs> Those things eat up all your money. Oh, um, man, that's funny. Yeah. yeah very so, cool so dude. what a cool dude, man. Very he's cool like, dude. and he says, and he says, when, one, he says when he did that, he says, all of a sudden, he says, everybody there, Super like, nice. rolled out the red carpet, like, yeah. did whatever, you know, couldn't, you know, fell over themselves. And that is so important mm-hmm. in a business is to, like, treat your people really good. Exactly. It's very, very, it's, yes. It's, yeah. Yes. So uh, I thought that was cool. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I was working on the songs for this band that, and that never happened, by the way. Oh. So it was a giant. Where's the wah 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 wah? No, that's not it. But it's close enough. Um, that band I was one of the cover songs for. That that never happened. They said, "Oh, oh that's too bad. Uh, we can't." Uh, dr- drummer's going out of town mm-hmm. for work, and you know he's going to be out of town for four or five days. Oh. And so I texted back. I said, "Well, let me know yep. when you guys want me to." And crickets i haven't heard yep. anything yeah <clears throat> so uh, one day i was working on those songs and um i decided to take a break from that and i said you know in all these years i never learned one of my favorite guitar solos in my whole my in my whole in in the of my whole life yeah and that's the guitar solo to running with the devil okay by eddie van halen i'm, I'm sure completely fuck it up yeah now you're but i am i uh where's the guitar there it is Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, that's it. Um, so I decided I'm just gonna pull it up on YouTube. Okay. And there's about well, there's I, I'm still YouTube is still showing me videos of people teaching it. Okay. But I watched like five or six videos. Everybody. <laughs> everybody played it different. Everybody played it different. Yeah. yeah. Um.
That's kind of what I got out of it. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> close enough for government work. Yes, yes. <clears throat> <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Um, it was it was hilarious. I, you know, literally every single one. There was like it was like they were all similar. They all had mm-hmm. they were all built around that arpeggio. Yep. Some of them had some of them had going hammering in different places. Yeah. Some of them had a couple of different things uh, on the top. I'm, I should be talking to my sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's had some different type of note things happening there. All very close. But the one that everybody disagreed on was the last part. Uh-huh. That's, one guy showed it like that. Another guy went... Oh, sorry. There, there wasn't one with the 14th fret. Oh. And... And for the last... For the... For the now, that, that's a different... That's a di- totally different uh, inversion. That's a totally different... Um, uh, harmony. Mm-hmm. This was, this guy was, and essentially this. But what he what he said to do was go dun dun, and then pull up on the bar. Oh, to pull to it up, pull up, to, to pull it up okay. to the correct pitch for the last note. Uh. And somebody went. Sorry. Okay. Somebody ended it like yeah. that. <laughs> wow. It was. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And it's not like a super complicated. No. You know what I mean? It's not one of his most like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. not like, the, it's not like, like, I think the solo to jump is insane, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah. So no, wow. that was, yeah, there was this, you know, so I, I sat down. So I, I mean, like if I, if somebody said, oh, we're playing, we're going to play, learn, run them with the devil. I could definitely people could think the solo sound. It's oh, good. Yeah. I mean, it, it does yeah, sound it like sound, it. Yeah. If you put it in context with the chords and stuff like that, oh, yeah. it sounds like, and actually they all sounded like it. None of them I went like, oh, that oh, doesn't sound. I was like, wrong. that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. That sounds right. They all sound okay. right to me. <clears throat> so yeah. anyways. Um, there you go. Um, <laughs> so you worked in a medical field. Yes, I did. I will end with this. Okay. So, uh, great moments in YouTube. Um, uh-huh. So let's talk. We, I, we, I mentioned Raymond Kurzweil yes. um, and the age of spiritual machines. One of the things he predicts is that machines will develop their own spiritual beliefs. I, okay. you probably bristle at the idea, but once you hear yeah. him lay it out yeah. with all the background and all the knowledge he has, you go like, "Fuck, that's like wild." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, and he does acknowledge that it could go come wildly wrong yes <laughs> it could go wildly yes. wrong yes. um and uh but he also seems to be like pretty much optimistic about the future and what it could do but he does have cautions you know mm-hmm. and he's also like you know this is all depending on let's not blowing ourselves up either. right right you know what i mean like it's all done you know you know yes. <clears throat> it's interesting though because he talked about us living in virtual in a in virtual in a virtual reality and he, he had not seen the matrix wow i mean he basically predicted the matrix but the matrix being a voluntary mm-hmm. type thing that people will go and do because why live in a limited Mm-hmm. Body, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Why not live in a, you know what I mean? Um, so um, it was really, it, it, it was interesting. But um, 
there's a lot of talk about AI. And I watched it. Do you know Patrick H. Wellens is? He's a really good YouTuber. He yeah, does, yeah. He does uh, all about movies. That's his mm-hmm. whole channel. <clears throat> and um, I started watching one of his. It's very long. I will have to finish it later. But he, uh, he was doing uh, talking about AI-generated YouTube content. Okay. And people generating movie trailers, fake movie trailers using AI. Mm-hmm. And oh, um, no. yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, um, and so there's a lot of flap about it right now. There's a lot of people that are, you know, <clears throat> this is one of the issues with the with the writer strike mm-hmm. and everything. But I I saw an interview on um, on YouTube this week with uh, with Paul Hynek. Paul Hynek is the son. Of, okay, so you may not know. You may not be part of know too much about this mm-hmm. world. But in the in ufology, one of the most famous people is J. Allen Hynek. Who okay. was a blue? He was worked for Project Blue Book in the sixties. Okay, sure. And he finally came out and said, "There's a bunch of this stuff we can't explain." And I know I'm going against Project Blue Book, but like, and he was a scientist. He wasn't uh-huh. a. <clears throat> he wasn't like you know like uh, Eric Von Donigan or George Yusakula right, or one right. of those guys. He was a literal scientist, you know. Uh, uh, but he was like, "Nah, like th- there's something to this." It's like not all of this stuff is real, but mm-hmm. there's something going on here that, that that needs to be looked into. Yeah. And so, but he passed away. His son Paul Hynek uh, was being interviewed on on uh, Richard Dolan's uh, uh, show on uh, his show on YouTube. Richard Dolan, very quickly for those of you who don't know, I think Richard Dolan is one of the few ufologists who is very level headed. He tries to approach everything with a very kind of like calm mm-hmm. kind of like you know let's not put the cart before crazy, the horse let's yeah, like go let's crazy look at we, this let's look at everything but he is very knowledgeable okay. <clears throat> he believes in a lot of stuff that i don't know if i believe in or not but he is um if you ever watch him you'll see what i mean he's like okay. he's, he's what kind of guy that does not come across as any kind of like kook like yeah. very yeah. like calm cool and collected and you know lets people have their say or whatever but he interviewed paul heineck who is um um following these protocols to have massive life <clears throat> extension. Okay. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was, it was, it was really interesting, but he talked about his journey into AI and um, he gave some really interesting viewpoints on it. And one of the things he said was, and I'll, you, I put a link to the video here. You can check it out. Was that one of the things is that like, if they are, if AI comes about, it's going to be way more intelligent than us and way more logical than us. Sure. So the idea of it wanting to pick a fight with us uh-huh. is probably not real. Like it wouldn't right. care. Like right. it, we, we live in two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. <clears throat> plus it can, <clears throat> it can just sort of leave us behind. Like it can just, yeah. like it can go into outer space. It doesn't need air. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, like, exactly. there's no, we're no real threat to it mm-hmm. by any any stretch of the imagination. Um, even if we would have machines that acted as slaves, like they would it, more than likely logically, they'd be like, well, those machines aren't programmed for that. And the, you know, yeah. So the, so there's not a, you know what I mean. So so he calmed down a lot of stuff too. He also talked about how like a sort of like total like planet wide centralized AI that would like want to take over the world would be that would be kind of like. That's unlikely too, and he gave yeah. some good reasons why. So interesting uh, discussion if okay. you want to if you want to see it. <clears throat> now, Mr. Pittsburgh is going to tell his um, he's going to he's going to tell some stories here in a minute. But yes, leading that in, I think this I think these are good good segue. First of all, I was uh, so so great moments in TikTok. Um, there are no <laughs> great moments on TikTok. No. But in any case, um, I heard first of all I heard about the ultimate burn. 
Yes. Ultimate Brandon. I hope I don't fuck it up. All right. But there was a guy who was a stand-up comedian. Okay. And um, somebody said, yelled something at him. Yeah. And he... <laughs> yes. I thought this was like the great burn. The guy, somebody yelled something, and the guy's like, and, and, the, and the comedian's like, hey, I don't come down to the bus station and slap the cock out of your mouth while you're working, do I? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everybody I love laughed. Him. I love, I love when um, they, they, they knock, they knock <laughs> heckles down like You know that, that they have to come fancy. up with oh, stuff. They like you, know, they to, gotta, yeah. you gotta prepare that stuff so oh, when that happens, man. you can say yeah. something. And then you get, after a while, you get good at dealing with it. Um, it was interesting. And then, um, <clears throat> so, somebody asked the question, okay, this will go right along with your medical uh-huh. stories. Um, w- working in a hospital. Yes. As a man, as a health professional, what is the craziest thing you saw or were asked to do right. or had to deal with? And this woman proceeds to tell this story <clears throat> about this 90-some-year-old 90 90 lady came in and could not go to the bathroom. She couldn't okay. pee. And um, so they scanned her and they said, oh, her bladder is like... Fill it to the rim with brim. Sure. Ready to go, but yes. she couldn't go. So they were like, well, you know, we don't know exactly what's wrong, but we're going to do a cath. We're going to put a cath sure. in and okay. you know, give, her, give her some relief, you yeah, know. Empty that so out. she went in there to prep for the catheter. And when she looked at the woman's private area, yes. What's there was on? like leaves. Huh. <laughs> this is, huh. For leaves. Leaves, you say. And <clears throat> at this point, tears started running down my eyes. <laughs> Leaves. And she goes, oh, my God, I totally forgot. That's the potato. And, and she said, what do you mean a potato? She goes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I no. put a potato up there mm-hmm. to keep my bladder from falling out. Yeah. The potato had been there so long, it was sprouting. It was sprouting, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it was kept in a nice, warm, mm-hmm. damp place. Sure. That's probably a perfect environment for a potato. Oh, yeah. Because when they took the potato out, they didn't have to do catheter. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. I can, I can totally believe that story. Oh my God! Oh my! My wow. brother-in-law said that um, this is very tragic. Wow. But my brother-in-law, who's emergency room nurse, <clears throat> said that a woman came in and she was. They were trying. She had died, and they were trying to revive her. You know, right, they really worked sure, on her. Sure. And they were hitting her with the paddles and the yeah, whole thing, yeah. and <clears throat> um, they were like, so finally, somebody said, "Call it," you know. Mm-hmm. And as the the, the doctor was in, okay, it, it's it. Two a two such such am blah blah blah. They they caught somebody somebody caught like a a motion on the table and gasped gasped uh-huh. and a cockroach crawled out from her snatch. Yeah, 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 yeah. All trust me, working in the medical field, <laughs> I believe it. I believe. Why don't it. you talk about Pepsi, and then we'll talk about. All right. So there's a there's a, I, I was a I was a nuclear medicine tech for years and years and years and years, and this is a favorite story that I, I've told to many nuclear techs, and they all love it to the point where sometimes I'll check my voicemail, and all I'll hear is Pepsi, and I'll tell you why. 
<clears throat> so I have a, I get, I, I'm, I'm going to do a scan on the liver of a, a, of a young man. Now this young man has a lot of medical issues and stuff like that. And I thought it was a small child when they first came down, but he was in his twenties, uh, really bad diabetic, blah, blah, blah. So I get him under the camera. He's got a trach in. So um, I explained the test to him. I told him it's going to be about a 45 minutes to an hour. All he has to do is just relax. Just relax. And I hear this little voice go, Pepsi. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Pepsi. And I look at his nurse that's with him. She goes, oh, look, he's, he's a really bad diabetic. He's not compliant. His mother... You know, she'll give him whatever he wants, even though it's it's you know bad for him. And he loves Pepsi. Aww. And she goes, "Honey, we can't give you Pepsi." Pepsi. I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. You can't have Pepsi because, you know, we have to do this test and all that. So, okay. So I start the test. Remember, this is going to be an hour long test. Every seems like every 15 seconds. Pepsi. I'm man. I'm sorry. No Pepsi. Just hold still for me, all right? Pepsi. <laughs> Just, just hold nice and still. The nurse is rolling her eyes. Pepsi. No, I'm sorry. Nope. I'm like, I'm. this is going to drive me crazy for an hour having to hear this. And I hear. <coughs> I look over. You all right? It's okay. You just cough. That's all. And I'm like, oh, he's not. He's not asking for Pepsi anymore. He oh, finally no. figured it out. He finally figured it out. I'm checking him. He's breathing fine. Okay, great. Do the the rest of the test and everything. Test is done. We 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 send him back to his room. I'm cleaning up the camera, cleaning up my room a little bit, and I look and there's this little round plastic piece on the floor, and I'm like, what the hell is that? So I get rubber gloves on because I don't know what it is. Of course, I pick it smart. I just, I, I just pick it. I don't know what this is, and I throw it in the garbage. Right. So <clears throat> a few minutes later, my phone rings, and it's ICU. And they're like, hey, we had uh, so-and-so down there and you for see the me. test. Huh? I see you. I, and, and you see me. me. Yeah, right. And I said, oh, yeah. They're like, hey, um, you didn't happen to find a little plastic round piece, did you? And I'm like, uh, why? And they're like, oh, it's part of his trach. Oh, no. And oh, I'm like, uh, and I just threw it away, right? I'm like, oh, um, I don't think I saw that. And they're like, oh, it's okay. I mean, it's nothing, you know, he's fine. He just can't talk unless he has that. They're like, we'll just we'll just put a new piece in. I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, my God. The whole time I thought like, oh, this guy figured it out. I'm not going to give him Pepsi. No, <laughs> no, he couldn't talk. When he coughed, he popped that little piece out. He's probably under there mouthing the word And I can't hear him, right? That's my Pepsi story. We know like the said, truth. You took it out. So I did not take it out. And I threw it away. I, this it, fucking no. guy's going to drive me crazy. No. But uh, yeah, to this day, like some of the other texts I've told that to, because we all have stories, and every now and again, I'll get a little voicemail. Pepsi. Uh, and I know exactly who it is. One of my nuclear friends. Baloo, that's not the disturbing thing. Wait a minute. There's more? <clears throat> there's more. Now, this no, they say it ain't nothing. so. Has nothing to do with my medical training. This has to do with a convention that's coming to town. This pit in Pittsburgh. You weren't trained this in this. I'm not trained in this. Although you're probably an expert, we all are. We all are. <laughs> Lou, 
we all know about the furries coming to to to, to town. It's always a big, uh, the the news always has a big thing on the furries, the people in their big furry costumes coming for a couple of days, and there's everybody sends their reporters down. But I don't think there's going to be many reporters for this convention. You see, Lou, this convention is for masturbation. Yes. What? What? what, what? Lou, <laughs> and I can't remember the name. <laughs> It's like Bader BaderCon or something like that. No, it is this, not called BaderCon. Something like that. I don't know. Honky knows. Honky's matter of fact, he's practicing over we there. We have to know, Mr. Pittsburgh. Now, All come right. on now. now. Look it up. But <clears throat> it's a three-day event. Masturbation convention in Pittsburgh. Oh, my God. Berg Bait Buds. That's it. That's it. Pittsburgh's premier men's masturbation. Oh, see, I knew it. It's men's. It is men's, isn't it? DeBerg, DeBergJacks.com for more information. Wow. Literally. <laughs> DeBergJacks.com. Oh, my God. Yeah, I heard about this, and I'm like, wait, wait, what? What? Yes, three days. There's different events. Oh, my God. The, there's pictures. No. <laughs> no. Pay 10 bucks at the door, and men that are 18 to 25 years old get in free. Well, I guess we're gonna oh, have to, we're gonna have fuck. to pay. Yeah, yeah. Wow! Oh, they do it all the time. Uh, really? Yeah. It's like it. Yeah, they do it constantly. It constantly. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we do it constantly too, but not out, not downtown in the hotel. Oh, could you want to? You can sign up for the the birds, the Berg Jacks newsletter. <laughs> no, I don't want that. Dude, it's like big dicks, like uh, right in your face. On the I website. don't want that at all. But yeah, I would tell y'all, like, are you I, this is what Ludini does for you. I look up the disgusting websites so, so you don't out there to. don't have to. Deburg oh Jacks. my god! <laughs> Why? Now, when I first heard about it, I'm like, oh, that okay? That could I'm going to be... post on Facebook when we're done. No, no, never go to debergjacks.com. <laughs> Yes, please do. I'm going to do it. But at first, I'm like, oh, all right, because I'm thinking it's like co-ed. No. Nay, nay. Nay, nay, nay. And and when I told it, like, there'd be a bar crawl to a couple of bars that are, well, they're they're gay bars. I'm like, I have a feeling there's not going to be a whole lot of women. So, but I was like, wow. Pittsburgh. Um, kudos to you, I guess. Now, if they have a Flick the Bean convention, you know what that is, right? Flick the Bean. Yes. Yeah. I might, I might, I might go to that. I might just as an observer. I'll say I'm writing a blog. But oh my God. Yeah. So that's happening this weekend in Pittsburgh. Way to go, Pittsburgh. I'm so proud of you. Anyway, that's my two stories. That's my two stories for this podcast. All right. I'm uh, going to post that on Facebook. Oh, Lord. I'm not going to, because I know if I put the actual dot com, it'll post a. a yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I'm not going to do that. You don't want that. No. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, let me go like it. <laughs> so I posted, I wrote it like this. No matter what, never ever go to the Berg. And I spent a dot. D-O-T, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dot <laughs> Again, Ludini goes to the websites so you don't have to. Lordy Jesus. I'm really looking for the... I have to have the perfect emoji. 
I have to got to have the fucking. Is there like a corn? It's no. got to be kind of like part sad. It's like shocked and sad yeah, is what I need. Yeah, there you go. Oh my gosh. There it is. I found the, this is the perfect emoji. <laughs> That's it. Okay. That's it. Oh, no, hold on. I have to tag a couple of people too. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to tag Stu. Stu, of course. Yes, yes. Wow, it's gonna open up a shitstorm. Wow, we go. <laughs> um, uh, Eric, sure, sure. <laughs> Not Eric McKenna. No, 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 uh, no. He probably laughed too. He probably laughed too. But yeah. Oh my. Oh God damn you! There he is. Oh, man. There's two Eric Anthony's. One is a guy I know. The, is the right, guy, right, our right, friend. Right. One is somebody I don't know at all. I have to be careful. Make sure you <laughs> oh, tag Lily. Her. Lily, of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, see what happens if you don't listen to the podcast. You don't understand. You just don't get it. Michael Gulls. <laughs> sure. Why not? You know what? Do Bill Thomas too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bill. Wow, we wow. Yes, kids. Never a dull moment in the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Okay. Wow. <laughs> what was our topic? Yeah. <laughs> no matter what. Let's get right to it. Never <laughs> ever go to DeBerg. And am I spelling it right? D A B U R G H J A C K S. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. Wow. I was going to post that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's something sorely wrong with us. But that's what that's what people love about us. Wow. Who would have thought of that? How, I don't no, I don't I didn't know. No. Don't even <laughs> Wow, that we fucked up the whole show. Sorry guys. That's our podcast for today. Thanks Thank everybody. You. We really remember. Need to, we need to go now. We yeah, just we just can't handle. We can't handle that. Oh, I might have to pause and go get a drink. Pepsi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I need a Pepsi. That's what I need. I need a little more than a fucking Pepsi, Mr. Pittsburgh. You want Mo's house? So let's Pepsi? talk about um, our topic. Our topic. All right. Well, let me tell. Let me let me tell you something. Have you ever been to Seattle? No. All right. So years and years ago, when I was married, my brother-in-law, my now ex-brother-in-law, lived in Seattle, and we decided let's go visit Tim. So we spent a week. Went out to visit there. who? Oh, your buddy Tim. My, okay. No, my my brother-in-law Tim. You got you. And so we went to Seattle for a week. And, dude, what a freaking incredible vibe that, that town has. It is just so cool. Now, it's it rained the entire time we were there. Like it does here. So you were like at home. Actually, Pittsburgh, it rains more in Pittsburgh than Seattle, which is incredible. I heard that that was, no, I heard that uh, Pittsburgh is the second rainiest and Seattle's the first. That might be but it. they're like neck and neck. Because it's not too bad here this year so far, yeah. knock on wood. But uh, yeah, it's very now Seattle. Just to give you a little history, when Seattle was founded, they built the town, but the town was actually below sea level. So when the tide would come in, did we get that'd be the end of the town? The They'd water, rebuild the town no, no, every no. morning. The, the water, the water would come up through the toilets and through the sinks and stuff like that. So what they did, brilliant, they built up. They built up above the old town, and there are parts of town where you can go, and they call it the underground, and you can go down like a story or two and still see the old buildings underneath can the you new get, Can you use the bathroom? 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but only at low tide. But it's such a Make cool... sure you flush that giant shit you took yeah. before quickly, high tide, motherfucker. Quickly, yeah. But it's such a cool town, and I, I really kind of understood the whole Seattle thing just being there a week. I'm like, that's really cool. So just I'll tell you this other thing real quick, and this is why I thought about uh, doing Seattle bands, is I watched um, da, 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 Sonic Highways with the Foo Fighters, and they visited oh, okay. Seattle. And so the, the they asked Seattle bands, what makes Seattle so special? And they explained it really well, that Seattle's like way up in Washington State, which means no bands wanted to go up. Why would you want to travel hundreds of miles from California up there to maybe play for three people? You know what I mean? If okay. you're a band, okay? So Seattle had to create its own music scene, and a lot a lot of the bands were just garage bands and hobbyists and stuff like that. And when you're just a garage band and you're just playing the local scene, you're a little more, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're a little more uh, willing to take risks or think outside the box. Okay. And that's where that kind of signature, like especially during the 90s and grunge and everything, that's where that signature sound came from because they weren't playing by any rules. They didn't care that, you know, they weren't playing, you know, hair metal or whatever. They just got up there and kind of played what they were, you know, feeling. They just played with themselves. They just played with themselves. SeattleJerkBuds.com <laughs> But I'm like, oh, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Okay, that's really cool. So That's incredible. incredible. Kathy Lee Gifford. Anyway, so, no, it wasn't Kathy Lee Gifford. It was uh, Kathy. It wasn't even Kathy, was it? It was Fran Tarkington. It was Kathy. It was Crosby. Kathy Crosby. Kathy, Kathy Lee Crosby. Kathy Lee Crosby. <clears throat> no relation to Ben Crosby. Or is it? It's not. Uh, not, I'm, not Fran not. Tarkington and John Davidson. That's right. That, those two I remember. Um, uh, Seattle, yeah, so that's largest city in the U.S., state of largest city in the state of Washington, uh, plays uh, played a role in the country's uh, music culture, popularizing genres of alternative rock and grunge, and being the origin of major bands like Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Screaming Trees, Mud Honey, Foo Fighters, most notably Nirvana. Yeah. City home to several influential artists, bands, labels, etc. <clears throat> Seattle's music history begins in the 19... I'm going to sit here and shake my legs so I can't see my... That's my smart. Notes. Uh, Seattle's music history begins in the mid-19th century when the first European settlers arrived in 1909. Boosterism engendered by the city's first uh, World's Fair, Alaska, Yukon, Pacific... Exposition and the Seattle City Council adopted Seattle, uh, the peerless city. Uh, by the early 20th century, Seattle had an upper-class society that established an urban culture. The city's uh, high culture was, however, shadowed by that of San Francisco, which is then a major cultural center of the West Coast. Seattle also became an important stop for vaudeville tours put mm -hmm. on by large chains like uh, the Pantages and uh, Cons Considine. The city also produced a major attraction in the exotic dancer, Gypsy Rose Lee. The Wangadoodles Entertainers was one of Seattle's first jazz bands. By the 20s, Seattle had also uh, come to support a politically radical American folk scene inspired uh, in part by several uh, uh, lengthy stays in the region by folk singer Woody Guthrie. 
Yes. Seattle's folk performers include uh, Ivar uh, Hagland, who later founded a chain of successful seafood restaurants. See how well I read when I can say... You're really good, see? <clears throat> the Seattle jazz scene included Jelly Roll Morton for several years in the early part of the century, as well as Vic Myers, a local uh, performer and nightclub owner who became lieutenant governor. Interesting. Ooh. From uh, vaudeville performer to lieutenant governor. Interesting. Um, early musical establishments included uh, the art school founded by Nellie Cornish, which saw res uh, residencies from both John Cage. John Cage is a famous um, composer uh, who wrote... Um, I, I, boy, I'm going to misspeak this, but he explored things like atonal music, like very, okay. like really yep, yep. <clears throat> postmodern type stuff. Mar uh, Martha Graham, uh, Seattle Symphony, which became embroiled in a controversy in the 1940s when British conductor Thomas Beach, Thomas Beecham, uh, either described Seattle as a cultural dustbin or that it could become one. So, mm -hmm. so controversy early in the um, in world. Uh, uh, in uh, during World War II, uh, brought a flourishing vice scene where booze, gambling, and prostitution Woo! were unchecked by paid-off cops. Yeah. In quotes, the sh uh, the showbox ballroom was a center for these activities. It was open twenty-four hours a day. Nice, mm -hmm. geared towards active members of the military, featuring popular performers like the Racy Gypsy Lee Rose. In addition to showbox, uh, Washington Hall, Parker's Old Fellows Temple. Uh, a lot of big band ballrooms. Police officers also tolerated an after-hours jazz scene based sure. in Chinatown. Oh, thank you. Interesting. This period produced a few local performers of note, including Ray Charles, who recorded his first single and made his debut television appearances on radio broadcasts in Seattle, and Bumps Blackwell. Back Blackwell was a band leader who uh, <clears throat> whose band included the instrumentalists Quincy Jones. How about that? Harry, Harry Everett Smith was a college student in the 40s, and he found a, a number of recordings of folk about to be recycled to the Salvation Army Depot. He rescued the recordings, which became the hot commodities wow. when released by Folkways on the landmark anthology of American folk music. Huh. Um, uh, Frank D. Waldron was an early member of the just-formed Black Musicians Union, uh, changes to the local uh, regulations in 49 prompted a shift to, uh, from private clubs to restaurant lounge combinations, mm -hmm. which didn't support much uh, in the line of creative nightlife. <clears throat> this is what happens <clears throat> when they start regulating things uh -huh. and pushes certain segments <clears throat> out of right. the market. Uh, right. Uh, so this drew, drew jazz out of the nightclub scene. Boeing emerged in the 40s and 50s as one of the city's largest employers. And according, according to local music historian Clark Humphrey, helped give the city a reputation as a quiet and orderly and dull uh, <laughs> town in the mid-50s. Seattle Post uh, Intelligencer reported Emmett Watson was asked to begin a column on Seattle's happenings, but he responded that there was nothing worth writing about. Oh, man. Um, in the 60s, New Seattle uh, became home to local dance scene built around venues like the Trianon and Parkers. The city also became the major center for recorded popular music in the Pacific Northwest and had the first American pop hit from the region with the Fleetwoods, Come Softly to Me. Ooh. Uh, seen that year, uh, the DJ uh, Pat O'Day began working for KJR. Remember, oh, radio stations would have... 
right. case, you know, yep. instead of W. Yep. We have one in Pittsburgh, KDKA, yep. right? <clears throat> then mounted a series of teen uh, dances during, uh, fe- de- excuse me, teen dances featuring bands like the Fabulous Whalers, later to become famous <laughs> as The Whalers, yes. and hits like Tall Cool One. Yep. Uh, the Whalers first came out uh, on the Golden Crest Records. Subsequent releases came out on Etiquette. Okay, this is more about that. Um Oh, blah, 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 blah. Though most of the regionally important bands of the 60s were dominated by white men, Seattle also produced a few female country rock performers, most notably uh, Mary Lee Rush and Bonnie Guitar. Wow. I don't know if that's Bonnie. There's a link to click on it, but we're not going to go go there right now. The city's black music scene included Ron Holden, a soul singer whose Love Love You So was a top 10 hit vocal group, The Mm. Galahads, an R&B instrumentalist, Dave Lewis, several hits like David's Mood and Little Green Thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Seattle's most famous black musical export is Jimmy Hendrix. There he is. Yes. That's right. Who began uh, performing in the city but did not gain a national reputation until moving to England. Yep. Though Hendrix had to move to England to start a recording career, the reverse also became true for the musicologist Ian Whitcomb, who performed in the city in the 60s. He recorded The Sporting Life with Jerry Rosalie of the Sonics, and the song became a major hit and early anthem for the gay community. Hmm. Speaking of interesting, um, yes, de, yes, the de, de Berg Jacks, yes, the <laughs> Berg Jacks. Um, okay, then the, there was a counterculture scene from seventy-five to eighty-five. Uh, music author Stephen Blush described the Seattle music scene of the late seventies and early eighties as crucial in its vibe and ethic, which inspired grunge music. Yes. The earliest local alternative music scene was based around a gay glam theater called. Z Wiz Kids, spelled Z E W H I Z K I D S. One of whose members was Tomanta Duplente. Sure. <laughs> became a fixture in New York before returning to se- in 76 as part of the Tupperwares. With longtime huh. boyfriend Gorilla Rose, <clears throat> Blush described this as the first punk rock in the area. The first punk concert in Seattle was the Tupperwares backed by the Telepaths. Wow. At a uh, grand premiere <clears throat> at the uh, Pink Flamingos. Uh, oh, oh, excuse me. And at the grand premiere of the Pink Flamingos at the Moore Theater on New Year's Night, 1976. Okay. Bot rights, one punk. Yes, yep. yep. <clears throat> uh, Tamada and Gorilla left for Los Angeles in 77, but a new wave of local bands emerged in their wake. Uh, congregating at the local venue called The Bird, these bands included The Enemy, The Lude, mm-hmm. The Mentors, China's, China's Comedus, The Telepaths, The Beakers, Red Dress, X15, and the Macy, the Macy, the Macy's. Sure, why not? Following the bird, local punk centered around an old theater, the Showbox, mm. where touring bands from Los Angeles, New York, and London, elsewhere, uh, they would play. Other smaller venues included the Gorilla Room, uh, the W R E X Rex. I guess that's how we pronounce it. Sure, which later became Vogue. Hardcore punk and loud, intense, angry form of punk first came to Seattle in the band uh, Solger, S O L G E R, which uh, formed in 1980. They were followed by the Farts. <laughs> no. F A R T Z. Way too nice. Who included uh, Paul Solger of the band Solger and became well known <laughs> hardcore scenes across the West Coast, touring with Black Flag and the Dead Kennedys. Mm-hmm. The Farts dissolved. <laughs> they dissolved. That's beautiful. <laughs> 
<laughs> Congratulations, Wikipedia, on, on writing that yes. one. The farts dissolved nice. into a mist <laughs> <laughs> and dissipated and became a silent but deadly. Uh, fart in 882, <laughs> just deadlies? as their EP, uh, World Full of Hate, was released by Alternative Tentacles. Huh. Other bands, <laughs> while we're at it. Why not? Here we other go. bands included The Fags. Of course. The Refuser, spelled R-E-F-U-Z-O-R-S-O already. We're sure. changing spelling. Yeah, we're The crazy. Rejectors. Oh. The DTs. Oh. Both the Refusers and the DTs were led by Mike Refuser. Wow. Uh, the Fastbacks were affiliated with the scene, but were not considered either hardcore or punk. Also of note from this time frame is the national emergence of progressive heavy metal artists, Queens Reich. How about that? So it's a very diverse scene out there, yeah, right? Yeah, very 15 much 15 so. bands of the area, including the Blackouts, the Puds, Fastbacks, the Farts, contributed songs to the first edition of Seattle Syndrome Compilation, released in 1981 on Ingram Records, regarded by music historian Stephen Tao as a critical yardstick in the mm. history of the underground Seattle scene. <clears throat> Heart. There not, you are. Not Farts. Fart, it would be great if, the, if Heart and the Farts toured that together. That would have been, been awesome. fantastic. Heart Farts. Heart Farts. <laughs> Tonight, uh, uh, the heart heart followed uh, by fronted, excuse me, by sisters Anna and Nancy of Bellevue got their start in Seattle area in the local bands while still in their teens. Their fame was achieved while residing in Vancouver, British Columbia, with their '75 debut Dreamboat Annie. Mm-hmm. Anne's boyfriend Mike Fisher, brother of original heart guitarist Roger Fisher, was evading the Vietnam draft in yeah. Canada and met Anne, followed him to Vancouver. Mike was the band's original manager upon amnesty granted by President Carter. Uh, Hart returned to the United States and signed with Capitol Records. Hart was included into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in uh, 2013. Yeah. Ah, so 85. We're not going to go everywhere, but we we do. We want to do. I wanted to get up to the grunge scene. Yes. <clears throat> Prior to the mid 1980s, the local hardcore metal scenes were often violently confrontational with each other. Oh my! The opening of the Gorilla Gardens venue changed that by offering two separate shows at the same time. As a result, both hardcore and metal were frequently played on the same nights. The softening of relations between the two groups helped inspire the look and sound of grunge, a term mm. allegedly coined by Mark Arm of the of the brief, brief joke band Mr. Epp and the Calculations, <laughs> who gained some local notoriety. Two bands... Two local bands later became well-known icons of the era, the U-Men and Green River. Local music author Clark Humphrey has attributed rise of grunge uh, in large part to the scene's supposed authenticity uh, uh, to its status as a folk phenomena, a community of ideas and styles that came up from the street rather than something a couple of packages, uh, packagers in the penthouse office dreamed up, yep. uh, as well as Seattle's isolation from the mainstream record industry. Uh, Rebe Garofalo or Rebe uh, Garofalo attributes to the unlikely rise of Seattle's alternative uh, rock to the legacy of the local rock left behind by um, the Ventures and Jimi Hendrix. The grunge scene revolved around Sub Pop, a record label founded by Bruce Pavitt <laughs> and John uh, Poneman. Sub Pop was founded by Bruce Pavitt, who became, uh, who began uh, with a local radio show and then began releasing tapes. Well, I remember those things. Mm-hmm. The local bands, um, Seattle Rocket and Seattle Heat Magazine, also played a vital role. 
uh, grunge's entrance into the mainstream is usually traced to the release of Nirvana's Nevermind in 91, though others point to the signing of Soundgarden to A&M Records in 1908 and their Grammy-nominated Omega, uh, Ultra Mega OK, and the release of a compilation album called Deep Six in 1986. Though Soundgarden failed to bring in large national audiences at the time, record executives saw enough promise to send scouts out to the major areas to whom uh, of whom signed uh, a large uh, were signed to large labels. 1991 release of Nevermind uh, catapulted the local music scene into national fame. Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Allison Chains, Soundgarden, and other grunge bands became best-selling groups. Many of their earlier fans uh, greeted this development with cries of selling out, <laughs> and the bands themselves struggled with the irony of alternative rock bands entering into mainstream pop culture. Seattle grunge as a national fair declined within a few years. However... Beginning with the suicide of uh, frontman Kurt Cobain and ending with the Soundgarden's breakup in 1997, during the 90s, other forms of music also existed, including uh, bands such as the Posies, Killswitch, uh, Faith and Disease, Sky Cries Mary. Um, so other bands, of course, came up. I wanted to kind of, we're going to, we could go a million times. Um mm-hmm. We could go, we could go on for hours. Um, yes, but uh, other bands are, arose, um, including a band I'm seeing here on the list, band called Six Two Seven that I interviewed a number of years ago. Oh, cool! So, um, yeah, uh, so quite a history there, right? Yes, yes. And um, I think that the sort of whys are sort of attributed to. I have no idea what's going on in this track. I just want to say this has been distracting me. Like there should be nothing there except when the guitar is playing. <laughs> Somehow everything is on that track, so ah, I, I have to go back and figure out. We'll fix it. Yeah. So that, it, so that guitar may may not have played earlier. I don't know <clears throat> if it did or not. But um, sorry, I digress. Um, so a, a diverse uh, range of music. You know, like any city. I, I as we were talking about this, I was going like, well, why couldn't we talk about? The Chicago sound. Sure. Why couldn't we talk about the Austin sound? Mm-hmm. The Philadelphia sound. You know, there's 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 a lot of different there's a lot of different things. But Seattle did come to prominence. I think it sticks out in people's minds still because of Nirvana. Exactly. I think a lot of people forget about Jimi Hendrix um, because. Um, well, he had to go to England. He had to, had to, go, to, he had to yeah. go to England. He really wasn't appreciated. Right. Right. <clears throat> their okay. loss. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna just give a flip side here quickly. The um the ugly truth: ten things you need to know about the Seattle music scene. Oh, from m- meandgone.com. Meandgone.com. Okay. All right, then. So I'm not going to read the giant preamble, but this guy, you know, is you know going to be talking about that. There's another side of things. Okay, then we're not all you know sunshine we like, and we roses. We like to look outside the box. So let me get to. Okay. 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 Yes. First of all, the Seattle scene was never as big as it was portrayed in the media. Uh-huh. So he's talking 
about the grunge <clears throat> era. I right, believe. right. By 92, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all these guys we just mentioned, four huge bands, all from hailing from the same city. The media went wild, calling Seattle the music capital of the world, mm-hmm. home of the most vibrant music scene, among um, other things. This would be news to people who, who lived in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Before a grunge hype exploded, locals... Uh, Knew of Seattle as a place with just a few venues where bands sometimes played to minuscule crowds. So, okay, so Wikipedia, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and now we're getting now like we're getting a little, the, yeah, uh, okay. yes, you know, or even uh, rent out banquet halls because there weren't enough places to play. It was a place where shows or house parties had a police presence, and the city was passing things like teen dance ordinance oh, to make wow. shows less accessible to kids. The infamous sub pop uh, lame fest. Uh, uh, the 1,400 capacity Moore Theater in 89 was initially mocked because there was no way that a show with three local bands could sell out a venue that large. Hmm. Okay. So you're getting the idea. Very few bands from the Seattle scene actually made it big. And I I think that like when you look back at a thing, you know, there are artists, every city, I think like most major cities have artists that People mm-hmm. who did stuff in music. We have people sure. in Pittsburgh sure, right. that did stuff in music. Yeah. That you know, um, <clears throat> going back, I mean, for sure, you had you, you doo-wop acts like Four Coins in the Fountain, mm-hmm. people like that. You had Bobby Vinton and Perry, Perry Como. Como. Sure, you had um, um, uh, uh, Stanley Turrentine, the jazz sax mm-hmm. player, George Benson. Sure. you know what I mean. Sure. Um, but if you think about all the people that play music in Pittsburgh, yeah, that's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not that big. It's been said that grunge in Seattle made it big. The majority of the commercial success mainly went to four major bands, which we've named a million times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Bands like Mud Honey, Screaming Trees, the Posies did have uh, moderate mediocre, had moderate commercial success, but the majority of the bands that were signed to major labels did not, uh, uh, didn't fare well. Mm. Tad, Seaweed, Hammerbox, Pond, Satchel, Seven Year Bitch, and the Melvins were among the bands to get signed to majors, but they all failed to make yeah, their breakthrough. That's true. Yeah. Uh, the Melvins are still playing. Yeah. I see. Uh, I just saw a rig rundown with one of the guitarists. Uh, okay. Lost in the numbers game. In fact, troubles with the major labels actually caused premature death of a number of bands. One uh, could argue that Seattle, a grunge hype machine, actually killed more bands than it brought up. Hmm. The big four bands certainly deserve their success, but it could have uh, spread to a number of bands in the region. It was something that superstars would feel guilt later feel guilty about. Mm-hmm. What uh, was called the Seattle scene was really a group of uh, smaller sub-scenes across the region that weren't necessarily related. And I think that this probably goes to the metal and the right, alternative right. guys kind of eh, duking it out. Pacific Northwest had a number of influential scenes, though it never was uh, con- that, that were never connected. Uh, there were independent scenes in Seattle, Portland, Olympia that had little to do with each other. Bands associated with Olympia, uh, Riot Girl Movement or K Records, indie scene have very little to do with sub pop scene, even less to do with the big bands of Seattle, with uh, one exception, Kurt Cobain and his connection to the Olympia scene. Mm-hmm. Musicians from the region have repeatedly pointed out their frustrations with being all lumped together as if they were all friends or fans and right. fans. Uh, side note Nirvana wasn't really a Seattle band they formed uh, in Aberdeen yes okay well technicality technicality in uh, the Cameron Crowe film singles Cliff uh, Poncier 
the frontman of the fictional Seattle band Citizen Dick lamented that their uh, record wasn't doing well in Seattle, but at least it was hitting the big Belgium in, uh, hitting big in Belgium and Italy. Many real bands indeed did find foreign audiences to be more amiable to them than the U.S. crowds. The Walkabouts were perhaps the best example of this, despite uh, releasing critically acclaimed albums, both Pop Llama and Sub Pop. Uh, the band never uh, caught hold in, the U- in Seattle or the U.S., but found a big market overseas. Huh. Um, Charles Peterson noted that when Sub Pop sent four of their current acts to uh, Japan in 93, they received rock star treatment. Yeah. Sex Farms number one in Tokyo. Grunge and Sub Pop were just <laughs> one part of the Northwest music scene. As the first label of Nirvana, Soundgarden, Mudhoney, blah, 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 Sub Pop, uh, uh, synonymously with the Seattle sound and grunge. But while they were definitely most known label in the region, they were far from the uh, only important label. Uh, In Seattle proper, there was CZ, Coffin Break, Gitz, you know, there's a bunch of other things, Mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. bunch of other things going on. All carried a number of important and influential bands on their rosters. Outside of Seattle, Olympia's K Records uh, and uh, Kill Rock Stars carried a number of bands at the, as well. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, okay. Uh, la, 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 la. What's the next topic here? I want to go through because this gets in really into the weeds. About yeah. A grunge fashion was never really a style in Seattle. Um, one of the most ridiculous things to come from the grunge hype was the idea of grunge fashion that emanated uh, yeah. from thrift stores of Seattle. Uh, we all remember the look, old flannel shirts, long mm-hmm. johns. Uh, you still see people wearing this sure. like yeah, all the time yeah. now. Stocking hats. Uh, even though, uh, even today, you get articles like this giving you tips on how to find that rugged, chic look. Uh <laughs> It was a look that was indeed common in the Northwest, but it was more a, a look of utility rather than style. Exactly. Uh, Sonic Youth Thurston Moore noted, that was just how they dressed. Nobody had any ambitions to any <laughs> mainstream visibility. Like, and it wasn't like, this is cool. You know, it was what we could afford, what yeah. made sense for the climate we I'm were in. I'm a logger and, during the day. I just went to the, yeah, exactly. the club dressed in my shit. It ship. did take off uh, nationwide. There was a new style. Madison Avenue was a key part of this. That's so funny, uh-huh. isn't it? Like something that was just pure <coughs> utility, yeah, yeah. you know, is used now, like, all of a sudden, hey, a fashion. It's, it's hilarious. like this. We better, it's great. Uh, yeah. Um... Mark J. B. Jacobs uh, even released a grunge collection for the clothing oh, brand. Oh, Lord. Perry El- per- for, the per- Perry El- for the clothing brand, Perry Ellis. I'm running out of gas. Uh, <laughs> but in the early 1990s, whether uh, uh, you were in Des Moines, Iowa, Decatur, wherever, you know, flannel shirts, ripped mm-hmm. jeans, Doc Martens were everywhere. Yep. That's funny. Pearl Jam was initially hated by a lot of people in the Seattle scene, and um, I was never a fan. Pearl Jam became global superstars not long after Nirvana. Uh, But not everyone in Seattle was excited about their success. Kurt Cobain famously called them, along with Alice in Chains, corporate puppets. Oh, interesting. Uh, They were looked unfavorably for several reasons. Uh, Their perceived pursuit of stardom, going back to uh, Gossard and Amet's Mother Love Bone days. Uh, their importing of a lead singer from another city, mm. as well as the band's commercial-friendly sound. So, 
Yep. Sellouts. Sellouts. I was just going to say. <laughs> oh, and grunge didn't kill pop music. Uh, much has been made of Nirvana's Nevermind, knocking Michael Jackson off the spot, blah, 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 blah. Uh, changing, symbolic changing the guard. Dangerous still sold 35 million copies worldwide and spawned nine hit singles. It wasn't exactly struggling to move hits before or after Nirvana broke. Hmm. Nirvana nor the wave of grunge acts around that time never really came close to killing pop music and never, never really tried. Uh, that was never really a goal of theirs to begin with. Many of the bands were, in fact, also fans of these bands, of mm-hmm. these pop acts. Michael Jackson was even famously covered by Chris Cornell many years later. Uh, sure, alternative music was making its move, but pop music in general stayed popular. Sure. If grunge killed anything, it was hair metal. <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry, Lily. Yeah. But that genre was in its last throws anyways. Grunge was just gave it one last shove over the cliff. <laughs> Seattle is over grunge. I I don't think we need to say more about that. I yeah, think, like, yeah. Probably, like, I think you are absolutely like, come right. on, yeah. guys. No, We're not just that shit. <clears throat> uh, grunge is now a nostalgia act. Mm-hmm. So people love going to. I mean, I was in a Nirvana tribute band. Yep. So, some uh, other take on the whole um, Seattle scene. Very interesting. So it's not like very interesting, just like you would say about any scene. There's also so I I discovered um, a couple of bands real quick. Royal Thunder. Ooh, kill that. Let's listen to these. Oh, that's their Wikipedia page. The song is called Fade. Uh huh. These guys have a cool. Whoops. What a voice. Wow. I love everything about Very it. Very cool. Like, nice three-piece band. They, Great um, ha- voice. Yeah, that uh, has a... I love that it. it has like a dreamy, ethereal quality, uh-huh. but then it's also really heavy. And uh, Royal Thunder is an American band from Atlanta, Georgia, founded in 2004 by guitarist Josh Weaver. Their style of hard rock takes primary influences from classic rock and 90s grunge. There you go. Who'd have thunk it? Uh, with some elements of progressive rock and psychedelic rock, Rolling Stone has described the band as a bit like an alternate al- alternate universe where Janis Joplin fronted Led Zeppelin. Hmm. 
Amazing. Uh, yeah, uh, great, great band. Check oh, them yeah, out. Very cool. And that's their latest song released three months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the links are in my show notes. Royal Thunder song is called Fade. Fantastic. Uh, let's, and there is another one. Yes. That I want you all to, 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 to check out. Um, by the way, the band, and I didn't want to have two bands that had Royal <laughs> in, the, in back to back. However. So we will, so we will talk about Royal Blood's new record. Oh, okay. They've released a record that's really fucking good. Uh, but this is a band called Baroness. Oh. I think this might be their wiki as well. Yeah, let's get their song. Last word. Last word. This is neat too. This this has a lot of different elements to it. I okay. Oh, what have you done? I think what I've done. What have you done? I think that maybe I pasted in the wrong link. Oh no! This is easy. No, nope, no. Here, oh, we, here we, we go. Found, we found it. We found it. Nope. Nope. That's that was the same those, one. That's those guys. They sound just like the last band. Get it back to my my list. Here. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was just I like the last well, band that I is said. Not that, no. Because I'm silly I'm like that. Click happy. Yeah. Here we are. Baroness. There you are, Baroness. Okay, here uh, we go. Here's Baroness. Woof. Now, this is one of these long things at the beginning. Okay. So we're going to... Um, elements of metal, grunge, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. Baroness is an American heavy metal band from Savannah, Georgia. Okay, so we had Atlanta, and this is completely unplanned. Yep, yep. Atlanta, now and we have Savannah. Savannah. Has been active since 2003. Mm-hmm. The members of the original lineup, uh, John Baisley, uh, Tim Luce, Summer Welsh, and Alan uh Blicky, Blickle, yes, Blickle yes, grew Blickle, up together sure. in Lexington, Virginia. The band uh, has undergone numerous lineup changes, with uh, Baisley serving as a sole constant throughout. Baroness mm-hmm. play a mix of uh, heavy metal styles, including sludge, Oops, progressive, sludge. and alternative. Pitchfork has described the band's sound as rock music that folds in more metal leanings along with something more delicate and spare. Okay. Uh, all right, I think this listen to solo. 
I gotta start the solo over. This is one of the things that caught my attention about the yeah. song is the solo. Liked how it ended too. Um, yeah, it was not a yeah. solo I would have expected to just in that soul in that type yeah. of song. Like, like I would expected something more chimey and spacious mm-hmm, and ethereal. Mm-hmm. Like I, but no, he fucking nope. like shreds. Boom. Here we go. <laughs> Giddy up. That's y- y- y'all cool. sit down. I, I got this. I got the guitar this. player said. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. So those are a couple bands you should check out. I put links in Baroness and Royal Thunder. Yeah. I, every time I hear Royal Thunder, I think of. Rolling thunder, pouring rain. <laughs> that's not yes, it. Yes, yes. That's, that's something else. It's something completely it's nice, different. The nice boys from down under. Down under the pants. Oh, my underpants. <laughs> down underpants. underpants. Uh, anyways, guys, um, we need to do a, a Rush podcast soon. Yes. So we got to figure that out. And we may get Eric in here next week. Well, now that our heads are straightened up. Straighten he up. wants to do bands that should have been bigger or something like that which okay. we've done before but we can do again sure we can do part two sure it's not a big deal. That's not a, so it's either that or we're gonna do a rush thing next week either or either tune or. in tune in to see what we decide yes you'll have to that's when the only mm, way you'll know yes. if you never tune in you might like never know and then you'll be like sad uh-huh just like that guy right on the exactly. floor okay yes all right guys thank you so much for hanging out with us um, you can go to Ludini Rock and Roll Circus.com to get all the Ludini uh, dope that you need. <laughs> uh, RockRageRadio.com, download the free app, as well as Wolf's Customs, and check out some Wolfie. of that stuff. Do not forget to check out um, Music from the 412 and Build the Scene. Yes. From our good buddy Bill Damiano. Mr. Pittsburgh, is there anything you'd like to add or say before we let out of here today? No, I think I said way too much. <laughs> oh no, I've said too yeah. much. But they weren't from folks. Folks, if you're so out there and you have some weird fetish or something, please, please bring your convention to Pittsburgh <laughs> so that we can talk about it. Wow, I can't wait to look at Facebook and see if anybody's responding. Oh, I'm to that. afraid <laughs> that's hilarious. Man, I got a 30 like, day you ban. asshole. Why did you do? Yeah, 30 day ban. <laughs> I'm traumatized for life. Yeah. Oh All right, God. don't, whatever you do, final words here. Do not look up debergjacks.com. Whatever no. you do, don't go there. No. Don't go there. No. Guys, have a great week. We'll get you on the next <laughs> Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. See ya.